0: Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. Amen, amen.
1: Well, good morning, church. How's everybody, Good? good? Well, you welcome everybody who's watching online with us, everybody in the room, say hello. Thank you to all those who are watching from who knows where, and uh, can I get an amen when I just say, (sighs) anybody else just kinda feel like that today? That you're just grateful to come into this room and maybe for the next 75 minutes or so, escape Facebook. And somebody should've just started speaking in tongues right there when I said that, I don't know. It's been a crazy week. And I hope that as you sit in these seats or sit in front of that screen, that today that God is just breathing some hope into your life. And can I just remind you where our hope lies? That our hope has never been tethered to a political system. It is tethered to a personal savior and his name is Jesus and you can know him. And for all, Everybody who it feels like your world is falling apart, the world is not as broken as it's ever been. It's as broken as it's always been. And that's just the reality of the world that we live in. And from the beginning, our hope is only in Jesus. And so we tether our hope to him today. And as I look at the world, I'm reminded that it's not just important to sit in these seats and sit in front of that screen and praise him. But when we get up from these seats and step away from that screen and we walk into that world, we need to live and love like Jesus. That when we get up from these seats and step away from that screen and we go into this world that we're living in, it needs Jesus as much as it ever has. And it is our job to reflect him wherever we go. And that's why it's so important and timely that we're in this series that we call Live Love. Because the world needs people to represent Jesus well right now. And so when we lean into our mission, and for us, when, when you hear the word mission, it equals why. If you're new to our church, whenever you hear us say that word mission, what we're talking about is our why. Why we exist. And for us, why we do anything is why we do everything. And our hope is that when you Step away from this experience today that you go out into a world that desperately needs Jesus and you live and love like him. And everything that you're experiencing today is designed to inspire you to do just that. To take the hope and peace that is knowing and living in relationship with God through the sacrifice of Jesus, you take that into your world And you bring hope and life because there has been way too much darkness for far too long. So let's be the salt and light, make the world better and brighter like the church is supposed to, okay? That's why I'm glad we're coming back to center ourselves around why we do this and how we do it. Because it's important that the church be not just knowing its mission, but effective at it because it hasn't even been ignorance of the mission that's been the problem for so many years. It's been a lack of dedication to how to accomplish that mission. And so we're leaning into our vision in the last several weeks of this series. When we say mission, it means why, but when we say vision, it means how. Because it's not just important to know why we exist, we gotta figure out how we're gonna do it. And so last week, we started walking through the things that we as a church try to do in order to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. And there are four of them. And as we finish this series, we're gonna walk through each one of those parts of our vision of how we go about inspiring people to live and love like Jesus. And last week we talked about the first part of these four things. And let me just quickly remind you what these four things are. Number one, we wanna create an experience where people can authentically worship God, learn the truth of his word. And that's what we're doing right now in this space. Every weekend we create what we call the gathering, where we collectively come in one space and we're led by a phenomenal team in worship every single week. And somebody stands on this platform with the hopes of speaking the Word of God true to the Scripture, biblically relevant, that is true to His Word, but it also hits you where you are in a way that you can understand it and apply it to your life. But for so long, I think the church has gotten overly dependent on just that one piece that we've made it all about Sundays. And the gathering is an important part of what we do as a church, and I'm thankful that all across the world right now, it still blows my mind, that right now, all across our county, and our state, and our nation, and our world, there are people gathering in rooms that may not look like this, but we're all worshiping the same God, and he's meeting with us all at the same time. Isn't that awesome? That we are collectively worshiping God But I think at some point we we made Jesus a weekend thing. That Jesus is what we do on Sunday. And that's it. And if we never go beyond the gathering, we will not grow. Did you hear me? If our relationship with Jesus is only driven by what happens in the gathering, we will not grow. If the last time you read the word of God was when you sat in this seat or in front of that screen and it was on that screen, if that's the last time you read the word of God was last Sunday during that moment, you'll never be able to live in love like Jesus. I'm gonna preach today, all right? If, if that's it, if you never go beyond the gathering And Jesus is is a regular part of your life. And if you never engage in the other things that the church has created to grow you spiritually, we will never be the spiritually healthy people that that world needs us to be. And so we don't don't just provide an experience, the gathering, where we can authentically worship God and learn the truth of his word. Our hope is also that we create an atmosphere, where anyone can build a lifelong, life-giving relationship that provides care and accountability. If you're going to be inspired to live in love like Jesus, you you gotta move beyond the gathering and have the courage to step into an atmosphere where anyone, and you let me tell you what I mean by anyone? Anyone. Anyone. No matter where you're from or what age you are, Whether you've grown up in the church or vintage is the first one you've ever stepped in. Whether you've read the Bible your whole life or you just cracked the page yesterday. Whether you're divorced or single. No matter what your background is, where anyone can come and build lifelong relationships, that the church should be a place where we find people that we never give up on. I think one of the most disheartening things about the last season that I've watched is people who are willing to throw away lifelong relationships over things that do not matter. Lifelong relationships. And you may have heard me say this before relationships aren't good for your faith. The right relationships are good for your faith. Because we both know that relationships can be life giving or life sucking. Life giving relationships that provide care, because we all have needs. You're not a superhero. We all have needs. We can't do this thing alone. Did you know the first time that God looked around and said something wasn't good was when he noticed that Adam was all alone. We were created for a community. And if we're gonna grow in our faith, it doesn't happen in isolation. We need to be cared for and we need accountability We need people who are helping us live out the things that we claim to believe because we all know there seems to be a divide between what we say we believe and how we seem to be behaving. And so you gotta move beyond the gathering and into a group. And that's not easy to do. As difficult as it might be for you to get in this room week in and week out or even to lean in to an experience online, It's easy and it's safe. It's easy to slip into this room. Don't talk to me. Just let me sit here. Let me worship how I want to worship. Let me listen to the sermon and let me go home. And there is a lot of people that that's the limitation of your church experience. It's so easy to come and sit in this room and especially in a church like this because it's a bigger church. It's easy just to sit in here and hide. And some of us, in corona, we're living our best life. You've been waiting for social distancing for 50 years because if you had to hug another person, you might throw up. Like you're so grateful for this season because you're like, yes. And and you know what? You love the mask. Not because you necessarily think it protects you because you go to Walmart and nobody knows who you are. All they see is this. You're like, no, uh, no, that's my cousin. I'm not, I, I can't stand her anyway. She won't see me. Pull your hat down mat. like this. And we can do that in the church because here people can't see our mess. I can sit here and you can't, you won't know that I battle depression and anxiety. I can sit here and You'll have no clue at the kind of home that I go back to when I leave this place. I can sit here and you won't know that I was abused. I can sit here and you won't know how scared I am because of the world that we live in. I I can sit here and you can not judge me for the doubts I have about my faith. It's, It's just safer. And it's risky. But at some point, if you're gonna grow in your faith and live consistently for Christ, you gotta get out of this, the rows and you gotta get into a circle. And that's the language that we use a lot, that there comes a moment when you gotta go beyond the gathering, that you gotta settle for not just staying in rows that as safe as rows may seem, that in those rows you're never gonna be able to get the things that you need to grow in your faith like the circles provide. And at some point, if you're really gonna live in love like Jesus, you're gonna have to have the courage to step out of the row and sit in a circle. And I know how intimidating that is because here there's a lot less people and somebody's looking at me and they can see my face. And my face says a lot of things that the words on my Facebook page don't. Because a post can hide a lot. Social media is just everybody's highlight reel. It ain't real, real. And if we're gonna grow in our faith, there comes a point where we're gonna have to have the courage to sit in a circle and look each other in the eye, and be vulnerable and transparent, and have real conversations about what we're struggling with and what we're confused about. There's sometimes that we sit in this room and we say amen to a sermon and a point, and a point in a sermon, and then we have to walk out of this room and figure out how we're going to have to live it out. We're going to have to go from amen to application. And for that to happen, this is a necessary part. And the reality is, this is nothing new. That we didn't create this concept of of circles. That God has tried to make it clear to us that circles are necessary from the onset. And I know you grew up in a different kind of tradition. A lot of us, we grew up in Sunday school where we always sat in a row. And maybe that's, why, maybe that's why some of us are so spiritually shallow. That we've never had the courage to have real conversations, to let somebody come in and push us and challenge us so that we're growing in our faith. But the concept of circles is not invented by a modern church. Matter of fact, if you go back to Exodus, you see it even in the life of Moses. Do you remember this? Take a look. Exodus chapter 18, verse 17. Moses is leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and he's trying to meet the needs of hundreds of thousands of people. He's trying to be the everything to everyone. And he's wearing himself out. And not only are the people not being taken care of, Moses is getting to the point where he's almost about to give up. Matter of fact, if you go into Numbers, he asked God to kill him. Because he's so burdened by what's happening. And Moses' father-in-law, his name's Jethro, he comes to Moses, he says, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you are gonna wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Like Moses, you cannot care for the spiritual needs and physical needs and emotional needs of all these people on your own. You're gonna have to appoint people to share the load. And maybe one of the reasons why the church is producing shallow Christians is because we're dependent on the pastor to do it all, and he can't. People ask me all the time, Matt, you have such a large church. How do you know everybody? I say, "I, I don't. Because it's much more important that everybody in this community knows Jesus than everybody in this church knows me. And this is something that we see modeled. The idea of circles is modeled all throughout the scriptures, even by Jesus. Yeah, Jesus saw the significance of standing before a crowd, but he also saw the value of sitting in circles. That's why in Luke chapter six, it says this. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. That Jesus knew that he was going to be handing the movement that he started to a group of people who would be tasked to keep it going. And those people would need to be spiritually mature and ready for that task. And he knew that they weren't going to get there by just sitting in the rows of the crowd that he invited them into a circle where he could invest in them more intentionally and grow them spiritually to the point they had the maturity to keep his movement moving. As you move into the book of Acts, it continues. Go to Acts chapter 2. We've read this passage thousands of times in the history of our church. But you notice that? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with all the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to everyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Then check this out, the next verse. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That even in the early days of this movement, they would go as a collective group and they would have their gathering in the temple courts. But they would also go from house to house and sit in circles. Because it's here that you can see and be seen. It's here that you can have conversation. Look at me. I'm convinced that the best place to go script, spiritually is moving out of a place where you only get to hear a monologue and moving into a place where you get to participate in a dialogue. Is anybody else learning in this season the value of conversation? That we're trying to use means that don't work. That if we're ever gonna bring about change and unity in our country, we're gonna have to have the courage to sit in a circle, look somebody in the eye and have a real meaningful conversation. And if we're gonna grow spiritually, the same thing is required. The same thing is demanded. And so in order to inspire people to live in love like Jesus, yes, we wanna create an experience where people can authentically worship God, learn the truth of his word. But we also wanna challenge you to get out of those rows and step into an atmosphere where anybody can build life long, life-giving relationships that provide the care and accountability that we all need in order to be spiritually healthy. And for that to happen, there's some things about this atmosphere that we think need to be present. See, the elements in the atmosphere will determine whether or not the atmosphere produces what we desire. Because this atmosphere can quickly become something we don't want it to be instead of this being an atmosphere that's lifelong and life-giving, it can be an atmosphere that quickly goes sideways and becomes life-sucking. Instead of being an atmosphere that centers around productive spiritual conversation, it can become an atmosphere full of gossip or complaining. And so in order for this atmosphere to hit the target that we hope it does, there's some elements that we want to make sure are present. And that's why we have leaders constantly thinking about what these circles need to include and protecting what happens in that atmosphere so that it produces what we desire. And just like every other piece of our vision, it takes leadership to give it legs. And this week I got to sit down like I did last week with another one of the leaders in our church who leverages their influence to make sure these circles are what they're supposed to be. And so I want you to listen in onto the conversation that I had with the one and only Jasmine Denton. Take a look. Well, hello, Jasmine.
0: Hi, Matt. <laughs> this is going to be so weird.
1: <laughs> We're definitely going to include every awkward moment of this conversation.
0: <laughs> we just never talk this formally.
1: No, it, we talk a lot.
0: We talk a lot. So to say like, okay, the conversation starts now. Yeah. And it will end now. That's a weird
1: so, for people who don't know, we've never had like individual offices. No. We've always pretty much all worked out of the same room.
0: Exact same room.
1: And so there's a lot of conversations that just spark up. Yeah. And we don't ever put like, do not disturb. No. <laughs> signs on our. And ours are kind of right next to They're, each other. Yeah. And uh, because so much of what you do connects to what I do, and vice versa. There's a lot of just a lot kinda, of
0: content sharing there, yeah. yeah, and a
1: lot of just overall, yeah, general conversations. You do a lot around here,
0: yes. And the good thing
1: is, you know, you don't have three kids, and you're here. No, six I six days away.
0: Um I? Yeah, I'm free as a bird.
1: So Jasmine's <laughs> official title is adult ministries pastor. Yes, and so. Essentially, like, you know, we have a kid's pastor, Sananda, we have a student pastor, and we have an adult ministries pastor. Mm -hmm. And so you pretty much handle all things that are in any way connected to people once they move out of student ministry. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that fall under your umbrella that we could talk about. But today, kind of because we're talking about the atmosphere piece of our vision, we're going to kind of jump into some really important details around that vision. But I want people to continue to get to know you a little bit too. Because every area of our ministry has the fingerprint of the personality of its leader. And although, unlike somebody like Gustin, who is behind the scenes a lot more than you, because you've been weaving into teaching on Sunday mornings, which has been awesome because Jasmine is a phenomenal communicator. But there's a lot of other things about your personality. Like a lot of people don't know your background all right, so you're <laughs> kind of a smorgasbord <laughs> of things. <laughs> right. So you went to Southern Wesleyan. I did. Where you and your awesome husband, Lyle, met. No, nope. because nope, y'all grew up nope. in Boulevard together. So
0: we grew up together. I knew him. Uh, he's actually younger than me. I remember him when he was shorter than me. And So what's um, the age difference? Three years. Three years. Yeah. In the beginning of being here, uh, Lyle was the worship pastor and I led worship with him. And that's what I did here. And I don't say only what I didn't like it, that it's not significant. Um, I was, I was a worship leader for a long time. Mm -hmm. I was also one of our small group leaders. I was one of our first small group leaders. You and And Ashley were in our small group. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's what I did. And, I mean, I was, I was teaching, and so I just thought, like, Lyle's going to have his, his church job. I'm going to have my teaching job. But I've always had a draw to church work, church ministry, church life. Like, there's something about participating in the body, like, as it's functioned here, like, in a building, as an organization. Like, there's always something that's really appealing about that, mm-hmm. um, And I think it's because I have had such a good church experience my whole life. Like, I want to make sure that other people have Mm. such a good church experience. Like, I don't want to be the church that leaves a bad taste in somebody's mouth. I mean, and I can't, there's so much I can't control within somebody's narrative, but like what I can, I want to make sure that like our church represents the church that Christ established as best as it absolutely can.
1: Yeah, as I'm sitting here thinking, I'm thinking, man, we could just keep talking about your story and the evolution of your involvement and yeah. leadership in our church. And there's, and again, there's so many things that, that you do, but one of the things that has really been put in your hands to develop is our group's ministry. But now you get to be kind of the architect mm-hmm. of creating an atmosphere that provides lifelong, life-giving relationships that people can have care and accountability in. right. So let's unpack that for a little bit because we don't do groups like every church does. Nope. And we don't do groups in a way that everybody necessarily prefers. Sure. But let's talk about kind of why we're doing them the way we're doing them, especially at this point.
0: Right. We we do everything that we can to make a big church feel like a small church. Um, you can come from a church where, you know, there's 150 people and you basically know everybody in it. We want to provide a space like where you can know people. And so a lot of the design of life groups right now, you know, you said like I'm kind of the architect behind it. And it's because like I've seen the structural pieces that have to be in place in order for them to work well. Mm-hmm. And then I can also advise on those places like these are some pitfalls you need to Watch out for the. This is where I've seen life groups like spiral down the drain. Uh, this is like we, especially that life giving piece, like that we want life giving, lifelong relationships. Like that's an acknowledgement to the reality, like that some things are not life giving. Mm. Not every relationship is life giving. And so, how can we create that environment, that atmosphere where? people can, like, that fosters those life-giving relationships. Like, what are some kind of guardrails that we need to have in place to make sure that when you leave your life group or you leave your community group, you come back to your your space, whether that's, you know, as a, a wife, as a husband, as a child, as a parent, as a brother, a sister, a co-worker, you come back into that space better than when you left it because you participated in that group. Yeah. So so being being able to see, like, the evolution of all the groups has brought us to where we are. And it has also helped me not to hold on to the way that we do things right now. Because I acknowledge like I've seen it work a lot of ways. And I know that the way that we do it right now works. But I also know it probably won't work forever. So it's always just sort of keeping a pulse on what things need to shift, what things need to change uh, in order for you know two years down the road, 10 years down the road, that we're not in a place where it's like, wow, well, life groups are really not working. Like yeah. that we're continue like continually evolving and just making those minor adjustments so that it continues to work and, and provide that atmosphere that we want our people to have.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of times when people think of our core value of innovative environments, mm-hmm. they naturally think of what happens in this, in this room on right. Sundays, but innovation is necessary in all facets of our ministry. Absolutely, Because, as you know, the, the, the vision is fluid, and even, I think we'll always do the four things that we're unpacking in this series, yep. but what, what those four things look like are constantly mm-hmm. changing.
0: Our life groups this semester, for the very first time, uh, they're not doing book studies. They're not... Uh, getting to choose whatever they they want to study and and it's not because of control it's about unity it's we have enough things that are pulling at our say that again
1: because I think people need to hear that it's not about control it's not about
0: control it's about unity yeah God is trying to unify his church around a certain message around and and I don't just mean like the one message that we hear on, on Sunday. But he's trying to center and unify his church around the gospel. And if every week we believe that we are preaching the gospel, the good news here on this platform, then we need to unify around that ev- at every chance that we get.
1: The one reason why we don't have as many life groups is because we don't have as many people who are willing to lead because they're intimidated. Yeah. But I think hope that people are hearing that we don't need you to be biblical scholars. We don't even need you to be phenomenal teachers. What we need for you to be able to do, and I hope that people have a passion to do this, is to sit down with a group of people and have a discussion about the sermon you just heard from a pastor that I hope that you trust or you Mm -hmm. wouldn't be at our church. Have a discussion on how to apply what you just heard to your life, how to process man, one of our pastors just preached this message and I said amen a lot in the, in, the, in the room, but now I have to figure out how does this affect me as a father, as a husband, as a person in the world? Right. Which also leads me to the second thing that I think people feel like sometimes when they hear this, well, it's, it's robbing our group of its identity and individuality. Mm-hmm. But imagine that, that discussion in those groups will be as unique and individual as the dynamic of the people making up that group.
0: Absolutely. You know, it in no way undermines a group's uniqueness or individuality. The same question that is asked in all of our life groups is going to lead to a different discussion because of the people who are sitting in that circle. So, you know, you you might have a group of, let's say, single young women that conversation is going to sound very different than our married men's life groups. Like, it's just, a, it's, it will be a different discussion. And and the uniqueness comes from the people who are sitting in the circle, not the book that you're reading.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just like, people could all be reading the same book, but the yeah. dynamics of that conversation Absolutely. is so dependent on your stage of life and where you are. So in, in no way does this to me, in any way, strip groups of their mm-hmm. individual personalities and that kind of thing.
0: Like joining a life group for the first time, I'm not saying is going to be like fireworks for every single person, it's not. But it's that first admission of, I need people in my life. It's that first step of saying like, I, th- I think I, I need something more than just sitting in church and reading my Bible by myself at home. Like I'm, I need yeah. people. And there's going to be people that you start to connect to, that you start to build those relationships with, that you enjoy being around every single day. And you Marco Polo every single day, or you text message, or you Vox, or you call each other. Um, that's like, we want to make sure that you have that opportunity. And that's why we provide these atmospheres because church is about more than coming in and out of this building on, on Sunday. And yeah. I think community is where that really happens.
1: And if we are going to inspire people to live in love like Jesus, they can't just come and have the experience of the gathering. Yep. They have to be willing to get out of the rows of the gathering and into the circles of a group so that they can have the relationships to propel them forward. And I'm grateful that you're the one giving legs to that part of our vision. So it might be hard to believe it. Jasmine talked for like an hour that day. And we're going to post that entire conversation on our YouTube channel because we want you to, if you get bored and have time to hear the heart of that, because there is so much intention that goes in to create in this atmosphere because we deeply believe that if you're going to grow, you got to get beyond the gathering that you need to move into a circle where you have people that are pouring into you and that you are pouring into as well and I know this and I'm, and I'm passionate about it because I've experienced it. That believe it or not, some of the most significant things that you will ever hear in your spiritual life will not come out of the mouth of a pastor on a platform. It'll come out of the mouth of a friend in a living room or over a cup of coffee or sharing a meal that my life personally has been shaped by my circle, that God has surrounded me with people that are part of this church that I've invested in and have invested in me, people that have been there to sit with me when I cried, to challenge me when I've gotten lazy, to push me when I wanna give up, And I am who I am, not just because I went to church, but because I took the risk to let people in. And so I'm asking you to have that same courage. The world needs more than part-time, shallow Christians. It needs committed, passionate followers of Jesus. And that is not produced if you only settle for sitting in seats and not circles. And let me just go ahead and say, I know how risky it is. I can't guarantee you that you're gonna make the decision to get from there to there and it go perfectly. That you might end up in a circle and it might not be what you thought it would in that moment and it, it might not gel and it might not mesh. I, I, I would be lying to you if I said, didn't say that was possible. But it's worth the risk. And we are committed to come alongside you and help you keep trying till you find the circle that suits you and gives you the lifelong, life-giving relationships that you need. And we wanna come alongside you. And one of the things that we're learning right now in this season, that this is difficult and, and some people aren't ready to physically be in a room and some people are watching with us online and live so far away, they'll never be able to physically be in a circle. And so we're even figuring out ways to create virtual circles that give opportunity for people to have conversation. Because it's in conversation that conviction turns into real change. So would you take a minute, just bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you just to think about some things before we exit this room. Your head bowed, your eyes closed. Can you see your circle? Do you have a place where you can be real and honest vulnerable, where you can be transparent enough to, as scripture says, confess your sins to each other, where you can have enough courage to share your burden so that somebody else can help you carry it. And maybe today your response to this is to, before the end of this day, jump on our app, hit that respond feature, and let us come alongside you and help you find a circle or maybe you're just sitting in here like I am today overwhelmed with gratitude for the circles that I sit in for the people who invest in me and that I get to invest in and in the kingdom work that's being done in my life and in your life because of it so father i pray that you would help us to take some inventory today to have the courage to step out and god it's against Some of us in so many ways, like we fought this for years. We've been a part of church and showing up and sitting in rows and coming to gatherings and sitting in services. And we just feel like something's missing, like we can't get over that hump. We can't find consistency. And maybe it's because we haven't had the courage to move beyond the gathering and step into a group. And God, I pray that today that courage would build up among your people and that we would have the determination to make some really hard choices and take some risks because the reward spiritually in our lives will be worth it. So God, move in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.